There we go. Say that again. What is the common greeting in Ireland? What's the crack? <laughs> we say, hey, how you doing? And then in some some cultures, they say, buongiorno. Yeah. Words and, you know, I'm just, you know, I'm counting on you, my Irish friend, to turn me into a real Irishman. Yeah, okay. Well, there's there's another one you could say, and it's it's very country now. Very Irish farmer. Right? Farmer? So, Farmer. <laughs> Oh, farmer. Okay. Farmer, yeah. You could say wild horse box. Wild horse. Well, horse box, as in like, well, how are you? Well, horse box. Horse box. Horse box. <laughs> well, horse box, how are you? <laughs> that's interesting. That's that's what I like to learn, little bitty things like that we call them colloquial expressions. Hmm. Yeah, it's it, it kind of varies, admittedly, even though Ireland's so small, it actually kind of varies from where you go. Um, but typically, it's just, well, what's the crack? How are you? What's the crack? What's the crack? Crack is fun in Irish. So when we say what's the crack, it's like, how are you? Are you doing well? You, you up to anything fun? Crack means fun? Crack. So C-R-A-I-C, crack. Yeah, they, that's called cocaine here, bud. Yeah, yeah, yeah I've, I've heard that one before. Yeah, you cook, you cook up the coke into these little, little things. Well, now I wouldn't know anything about that. Now. Oh, let me tell you <laughs> something. I dealt with cocaine every day for eight years. Okay, my goodness. Um, they're little pieces about this big. They kind of look like a. Oh, you see this coffee cup right here? Yeah, yeah, that color sometimes, and there's just little, you know, chunks, these little chunks, and all they cook it up like that. And they could take, you know, powder cocaine, very expensive, but they could cook it up and uh, cut it up and make it go further. It's cheaper for the crackhead consumer, you know, and because wow. it's not that expensive until you got to have it all the time. So they get it, they break off quarantanas. I don't think they have quarantanas anymore. But you know how we used to have quarantanas? They would snap them off and make these pipes. They put this foil in it and put that little crack rock in it and have a lighter and they would smoke the crack and it's just an instant thing. Then meth came and all meth kind of became the drug of choice. Wow. I was a long and I uh, I used to try to buy drugs, you know, undercover. Do you know yeah. what that is? You ever seen undercover? Yeah, so you, would, you would play as so you play as an undercover uh, police officer yeah. to try and catch somebody who may be selling narcotics. Yeah, yeah. I'd go buy. I'd go buy. I, what I would do is uh, I had a white van like a work van that the the police department owned. And uh, I would go to a grocery store and buy some beer, like a six-pack of beer. And mm. I would pour the beer out and put Coke or something in it, you know. And I'd ride around boldly drinking my beer and go to the projects, the, you know, play, anywhere they're selling crack, which was everywhere in the 80s and 90s. And I would just ride around and, you know, white dude driving a work truck. Y'all call him a Leary or something, a work truck. Oh, like like the very, a, a lorry. Yeah, a lorry. <laughs> yeah. A lorry. Right. You know, I'm saying, um, see, that would usually be for like the, the large uh, cargo trucks, the right. ones that would be going interstate. Yeah, but guys would come out to me and ask me what I wanted. You know, the oh. different nicknames for different drugs. And my my goal was to make a transaction so I could make the arrest for for traffic, yeah. stealing, whatever, uh, possession. And I'm, I'm, I'm just going to try and place you here so that way I don't have to hold the phone. Okay. I, that's gonna be I understand. You can go you to... see me there? 
Yeah, you can spend $2 and get you a stand for the future. They're very inexpensive. This one here probably costs $0.80. (laughs) But I'll do do myself a favor for future reference. I'll definitely get one. That's what I do. I go out there and buy drugs or try to buy drugs. You know, a lot of times people take one look at me and say, he's a cop. I mean, they know. Oh, wow. Bad guys know. I mean, not not at my age now, but when I was in my 20s and 30s, maybe Mm. I had athletic and military uh, presence. I don't know, but there's a lot. Big, big, mostly man, you know. I was a lot bigger then than I am now. A lot stronger, a lot faster. I had hair like you. I had that much hair, but it was curled up. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, the, the drug, the drug, the drug scene in Ireland is actually um pretty big currently at the moment. Believe it or not. Uh, um. Yeah. No. It, it's it's actually it's absolutely huge, and um, it it kind of varies from like MDMA acid tabs to then the more uh, aggressive stuff as well, like like your cocaine, like your heroin. Yeah. Uh, the only reason why the only reason why I know so much, let me just preface this. Let me just preface this. The only reason why I know so much is because where I'm based in, which is Drada, there's a lot of gang uh, activity, gang? and a lot a lot of that runs through Drada because it's so close to Dublin. What? So there's there's a lot of instances there. Go ahead and introduce yourself. Sure thing. So um. My name is is in Irish, so I'll say the English name. My name is David. Um, I am 22 years of age, and I am a Catholic revert. Um, was cradle Catholic, like virtually all Irish people. However, it wasn't until about, I would say, three years ago that I got back into the faith on a very real level. Um. Since then, I've been kind of messing around on social media here and there, and I've been trying to learn as much about the faith as I can. Yeah. And you might become a... Yes, currently I... The cloth. (laughs) Yeah. So um, only recently enough, I finally uh kind of admitted to myself that the vocation of the priesthood might be a legitimate calling um for myself and that that's completely blindsided me because i always imagined you know i was going to be a married guy and that would be it um but no a matrimony or the priesthood is kind of weighing on me at the moment or even the diaconate maybe even being a deacon um so that's all kind of going through my mind right now and i kind of i was really like pumped really pumped super excited about it because it was only like a few weeks ago i finally went you know what you know this is something i need to kind of take seriously um and so because of that i want to take my time and i want to be careful and i don't want to i don't want to jump into things uh overly just in case (laughs) you know i have a friend that's a priest and you know, Catholics call it discerning. You know, yeah, yeah. Trying to figure out their calling. Um, he went to the. I think they have something called formation. It's hard to get a priest on my show. A lot of wow. them do want to be identified with me, but I do have several priest friends that I talk to regular. One of them told me when he was discerning the priesthood that they went through this phase that lasted quite a while in, in at pre at the priest factory, you know, where they make priests and all. Yeah. He said that they, his spiritual director, the guy that was teaching this particular class told them every day, you see that exit sign right there. Mm. Um, you're free to leave now and all is well. And he was told that every day. And then one day they said, uh, at this certain point here, you're in like the mafia. I mean, you're one, you're you're done. You're in and you wow. ain't getting out ever. And I, I had another one. Now, I don't know if this is true because a lot of priests are afraid to get on social media. They're afraid they're going to get in trouble. I was talking to a well-known priest 
This morning, in fact, a well-known priest, what one of the best priests that, that, that my country has. And all uh, he, he is of the opinion that no Catholic priest, hey Helen, no Catholic priest should be on social media. Mm. Uh, he says, no matter what you say or how you try to say it, it's like walking through a minefield. You can get in so yeah. much controversy, trouble, n- not even mm. with the in- with the intent of helping people. You can get in trouble. I have another priest friend that's been defrocked two times. You know what that Why? means? Well, <laughs> uh, you know, I was with him. He, he came here. And stayed in this room right here. Okay, he came came and stayed with stayed with us for a little bit, and uh, it was during his uh, backside of the wilderness. Well, you know, Helen, that's really not the Pope on Twitter. You know that, don't you, Helen? Huh? The the Pope wouldn't know how to <laughs> wouldn't know how to text if you put a gun to his head, and the Pope also. <laughs> know half the people y'all are worried about. Some of these crazy priests you're worried about wonder why Francis and George, he don't even know who they are. Mm, He's two million people under his command. Two million. Because not all Catholics have been confirmed and put on the register. There's probably at least as many Catholics that are unofficial Catholics. And he's got how many? 44,000 priests in America alone to keep up with. I yeah. can't keep up with myself. I can't keep up with my grandkids. He's got 44,000 priests in, in one country alone. Multicultures, multiple political situations, multiple. Mm-hmm. Every, he's worried about drinking water, age, marginalized people. Every, and, and, you know, I'm all for the marginalized people. That's who I'm trying to reach. But the priest, he, um, he got in trouble. And. He's got his side of the story, which I believe. Then the law had their side. And it's all in the media. I'm not going to mention his name because if I mention his name, uh, he'd get about 200 Google searches and and, and people were, uh, anyhow, the priest ended up going to uh, prison for years, for years. Wow. And... Then when he got, uh, he had also been a chaplain in the army at the same time, a Catholic priest, chaplain, no, a young priest, very young priest, which is extremely dangerous. Uh, I think what the, what the church did is when he got, when he got ordained, they sent him to a church that was uh, full of very, very young people out in the middle of nowhere. Right. And like, a lot of young ministers, he tried to be friends with his congregants. That does not work. It don't work. I don't care what people say. Being best friends with your priest is a detriment. Um, I don't want to be best friends with my priest. I really, I would like to, but then it ruins, it, it ruins, it's like, this is just my opinions, okay? But yeah, he got kicked out of the army. He went to prison years in prison and of course the church kicked him out of the priesthood and then when he the day he got out of prison he didn't have nothing his bishop picked him up at the prison and he said you got to work your way back in so the priest took him under his arms and he became the like the diocese landscaper and and janitor. So he cleaned toilets, mopped floors, cut grass for seven years as a regular lay person. And then the church reinstated him. He became a priest again for a little while. <laughs> he got in trouble again. Try, really, he was trying to do something good, but it just, it looked, like it looked bad. He was trying to help ah. jail. And they thought that he was interfering judicially because he was okay. advocating 
for someone in, in, in jail. As a matter of fact, it was a mother, a single mother with a bunch of kids that had gotten put in jail for some BS. And he was advocating for her cause. Mm. Guess what? They fired him. The church fired him. You're out. Okay. Is he is he still out today? No. He appealed to Rome like Paul did. Um his family is connected to one of the popes. Um, you know, the the family is from the same area as one of our previous popes. Okay. So he had a little bit of pull, but he appealed to the Pope. And before it went up that high, you know, the, the Catholic Church works like the military and a lot of these knuckleheads out mm-hmm. here do not realize that the Catholic Church was set up like the military, the Roman army. It's, it's much like it's it's a hierarchy. Yeah, it is. It's a di- it's a dictatorship, so to speak. You got a general, you know, you can call him what you want, an emperor, a king, a monarch, a pope. He is the boss and he ain't nobody to play around with. These all these people. Catholic people mocking him and stuff. Mm-hmm. They're going to heaven. <laughs> That's a funny thing. You're going to mock the successor of Peter, the one God gave the keys to heaven and hell, and you're going to uh, say things about him that you don't know were true and think you're going mm-hmm. to. Can you see? Can you see my head moving around? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can still see you. Yeah. After repeatedly begging my family not to blow my phone up while I'm on air. They immediately can't help it. They start blowing my phone up. <laughs> so this uh that's Brian, my youngest son. Do you know him? My son No, Brian. no. Is he the one that has the meme, the me the Catholic memes? Catholicism. Yeah. That's him blowing my phone up. Um I love him dearly. Yeah, but will he answer the phone for me? Hell no. Okay, look. So um it didn't he he appealed to to Pope Francis mm. it, it the appeal didn't make it I don't think too wrong but it made yeah. it enough to where somebody looked at what his you know looked at it and said this this guy's not done nothing wrong yeah okay wow. put his put the man in the car get him back out there he Go, they bring him back in. He's a priest, but they are, you know, they put him with like three other priests, <laughs> you know, to keep to keep to keep him in line. Keep him in check. He's a great to guy. keep him in line, yeah. He's a great guy, but he's a guy. He's a real guy, and we do need some priests that are real guys. I've been out partying, yeah. you know. It's cool, man, to go party with a priest. Uh, I can't say I've experienced it now. They're chick magnets, man. They're they're <laughs> they're babe magnets. Look, you take your priest to a pub and let him wear his little outfit and order a pitcher, you know, a pitcher of beer, and uh, you're going to be the uh, most popular table at the pub, at least here, because they ain't never seen priests here. They look at yeah. yes. We'd go gas station or, or someplace and people, because we don't have Catholics here, priests, you know. Yeah, we, you, you, you were based in the, am I right in saying you were based formerly in the Bible Belt of the United States? Yeah, Alabama. Yeah. Also, po- all, all, all Protestant. Yeah. People keep calling me. Can you still see my head moving? I can, I can still see you. You're good. Usually when the phone call comes, slips through, it knocks me, it knocks my uh, audio, I mean my visual out. So okay. in Ireland, in Ireland, I know Ireland is famous. There's an expression, Irish Catholic. And it was yeah. a big, big, yeah. when JFK was elected, oh, we realized that that election was stolen and bought and paid for. But, you know, you have an Irish president in this mm. country. Irish were, I don't mean this to offend anyone at all. Because I wasn't even aware of this. But in some parts of America, in the old days, the Irish were looked. Thank you, Brian. I love you. I see your note. Thank you, buddy. I love you. Praise God. Okay. So uh, my son was texting me. Um, 
he had an MRI and everything's fine. Thank God. So, um, thank God. Yeah. Um, the Irish, the, the black people in America, you know, probably know the story of the slavery and prejudice, mm-hmm. rights, all that. Well, the Irish was right there with them. And people, you know, black folks don't know that, but Irish were considered the low class end of the spectrum. Like, like they looked at Native Americans, black people. For a while, they, they were, yeah. Um, there was a massive amount of immigration um, of Irish people into the United States, particularly around the 1840s. And the reason why was because there was a massive famine that was running amok um, throughout Ireland. It's kind of it's known as the Irish potato famine. And ironically enough, but that was genuinely because there was a blight that infected all of the potato crop of Irish uh, native Irish people. And all other food produce was being transported and given to Britain. So because of that, Irish people couldn't actually feed themselves. So a million died uh, in and around, a little more, a little less. And then anywhere between one to two million more people emigrated either to England or to the United States. The majority of them died on the way over to America, but most of them, you know, those that did make it then made their way over into the working class. From what I could tell, uh, Americans at the time kind of considered Irish people as Euro trash. So just kind of like nobodies. And then additionally, they were Catholic. Euro trash. Euro trash, yeah. White trash here. White trash. Mm. Trailer park. Yeah. Riff raff. Redneck. That sort of thing. Yeah. That's why I'm Catholic for rednecks. Because I'm for the people. Amen. But yeah, no, that was that was definitely one of the things that kind of played a played an issue. So for a while Irish people were looked down upon because there was such a massive influx of Irish people trying to find refuge, trying to have a new life. Um and most of them acclimated around, you know, New York City and the greater sort of East Coast areas, because obviously it's where the Atlantic is based. And thankfully, they made a home for themselves. And um, from there, we've, we've kind of remained ever since. Um, it's, it's always interesting when I get to talk to an American who has Irish heritage. So they may be from, I don't know, Boston, for example, and you know they can they, they can trace their family tree all the way back to when their great something grandparents arrived to the United States because of famine. Beautiful. My uh, granddaughter, my grandson, on yeah. mom, on their mama's side, they know the exact town all the way back to the town. And Amazing, I, and it's. Yeah. It's beautiful because what was it? The the Smithsonian in the United States, they have a joint, um, they have a joint documentation with that of the Irish government's museum as well, keeping track of all the different Irish immigrants who've made their way over from Ireland to the United States throughout history, and actually, believe it or not, very close by to where I'm based, um. There is a small little local museum that has a first edition, like has that legitimate copy of all the people who emigrated to the United States from that little area. And the Smithsonian is the one that has the copy. Meanwhile, the little local Irish museum has the real deal. And people like from everywhere, all over nationwide in Ireland, everybody just up to left because there was literally nothing left. There was nothing else. And from there, obviously, when you have family over in the United States, some of them can send a little bit of money over or, you know, we have a house now. So why don't you come over as well to the United States and build a new life? And just it just all all developed from there. And so, too, did I think uh, Catholicism kind of spread a little bit more as well, as well as with uh, Italian immigrants. 
Yeah, Cayennes and all. And what's sad now? We got all the the um, you know they call them illegal immigrants. Um, you know mm. the border thing between Mexico and the United States. You know we're being flooded with Catholics. Mm. Yeah. That's exactly it. Yeah. Absolutely floodgates, like not Agra Falls of Catholics mm. pouring into this country. But you know who? You know who's getting them is the protesters. You know, they're protesters. Protesters. Pro, pro, Protestant protesters. Yeah, they're getting them, um, getting most of them. But I know, you know, just from reading the news or talking to people like yourself, that mm. it's the word we're getting is Ireland has left the church. That, that the yeah. church is like, uh, because I, I think the impression I got is from the abuse scandals in over there. Yeah. The, mm -hmm. the abuse. Was, the it, it's honestly, it's it's actually something I'm glad that you brought up because it was something I kind of wanted to talk about. Please. Um, to be Irish and to be Catholic is kind of one in the same. They're they're just they're like that. And like, what was it? As I was saying, you know, I, I'm I'm a cradle Catholic um, and I went through Catholic primary. I went through schooling that was in Catholic schools. Now, obviously, the U.S. education system is done differently to the Irish education system. So I was in primary school, which is the early, which is the first schooling for eight years. And during that period of time, I went and did my First Holy Communion, First Confession, and my confirmation throughout now, those eight years. How old is the confirmation, First Communion there? How old were you? Uh, it, it's, uh, oh, how old was I? I'm not going to lie to you. It's embarrassing, but I, I, I just can't remember. I can't think off the top of my head. But I was, I, was, um, I was very young because I was baptized as a child. And we went through the, the education system. And this, this school that I was at, it was a Catholic school. Um, Although it was admittedly Catholic by name, um, otherwise its formation was incredibly poor. Like um, I, I never even got taught how to do the rosary. I learned that after coming into the faith three years ago. I went to a, yeah. liberal, a, a very, what they would call, what my friends would call a liberal, modernistic. Yeah. Uh, Catholic church, but I didn't know it coming from a Protestant world into that liberal Catholic church. Mm. There's a vast black and white difference that that yeah. uh, I I can see major difference. But then after I started working for EWTN, opposed mm. to more Catholic stuff, I didn't know about that. I didn't learn in, in RCI. Yeah. I never, they didn't teach me a rosary. Well, they did a rosary class that lasted about 45 seconds once. But we at that at the <laughs> church I came in, we never did the rosary. Not one that's, time. Never. That's exactly what they did for, for ourselves as well. They literally just got like a whiteboard, and like they had a projector, and they projected an image showing like a diagram of the rosary. And they just went, right, here's where you do the Hail Marys. There's where you do the Our Father the end and then yeah. we moved on and we never talked about it ever again that, that and was what was it when i when i came out of that i then went into secondary level education which is then for the next six years that's during your teenage years you start that at uh 13 14 and that school wasn't catholic that was a secular school and that was where the, the, the liberal, modernist, political sort of stuff, that was all rampant there. And at that point, I had absolutely no faith because I just wasn't taught it. Um, and it wasn't being pushed by anyone either because um, being Catholic in Ireland, it's kind of, it's more of a culture thing than anything else. Like you would, like you'd get with, uh, I don't know, in Indian people who are Hindus, you know, it's the case of it's part of the furniture, if you will. It's just kind of, it's just a part of everyday life to go out and to get a baptism or to have your kid go to first communion. 
it's a day out for the family. It's not a big spiritual event as as it was once before many years ago. Mm-hmm. And now it's lessened even more. Yeah, because of the scandals. Um, but to be honest, and you know, obviously the scandals, you know, some of them are really, really horrible stuff, like really messed up. But a lot of the people who left the church, a lot of them are just kind of looking for an excuse to no longer go to mass on Christmas and Easter. And that was it. That was that was really that was kind of what it was. You know, what's funny here is I know Catholics that have left the Catholic Church because of the sexual abuse scandals. Yeah. They went straight to the Protestant Church, which is a hundred times worse. <laughs> It's, people don't realize the Protestant church is eat it's up. It's just as bad. It's eat up. Yep. I was abused. I was abused in the Baptist church and in the Pentecostal charismatic church. Wow, I'm so sorry to hear that. If, if someone asked me, were the sex abuse scandals of the Catholic church, was that, a, was that an issue with you becoming Catholic? I said, no, I was well used to it. I've been Protestant yeah. 50 years, the biggest group of perversion you've ever seen in your life. I never went to a single church that didn't have perverts in it. Eat up with perverts. Yeah. But it's only Catholic church that gets... It's it's not... It's, it, even if you look as well, I remember reading up on the news. I think it was, if I'm not mistaken, I think it was the Oriental Orthodox Church. They had a fairly big scandal. I think it was in India. Um, because there was a ton of mass protests going out because there was a certain number of tr- of priests who were blackmailing their clergy um, to saying publicly what their confessions were. So what they would do is they would blackmail these people either for sexual favors or even for financial gain. And they threatened to say what they had said in, in confession. Mm-hmm. Um for for sexual favors so you know it's it's not just in the western world it's not just in the catholic church it's not just in protestant churches it's everywhere you're going to find evil people anywhere you go to try and abuse power it's just the it's just the way that things are sadly you know the chicago public school system right now has over 1,000 sexual abuse cases pending against teachers in one, in one school system, 1,000. Wow. Here in Birmingham, Alabama, you can't go a week or two without a teacher in the news being arrested for perving with the students. And a lot of times lately, it's female teachers seducing young boys. Younger boys. When, yeah. Uh, young men. Uh, adolescent teenagers. Yeah. Women. Yeah. You know, teachers are in their 20s and 30s, females, and having these sexual liaisons with multiple students. It's in the news every week, but people do not pay yeah. attention. They're zeroed in on the Catholic Church. Like Catholic. Mm. I have a friend, she put up a, a meme yesterday on Instagram. She's a all. Oh, she is a lefty. I mean, she is a full-blown, everything that's against God, she is for. And she professes okay. to be a Catholic. She professes to be Catholic. She's got one and crucifixes on every wall in her house. I've been to her house. Um, she put up a thing yesterday. It showed two pictures. One picture was a bunch of those uh, people that identify as uh, everything but what God made them. You know, they're confused about the sexuality. I've, I've got a cure for that. If you don't know if you're a man or a woman, you simply, look here, you simply unbuckle your <laughs> I don't need to know. <laughs> I'm good. If you you have, relax. <laughs> if you have something hanging out of your groin, you are a man. You know, if there's something oh. out of your pants, you are a guy, okay? And that thing hanging out, like if you look, if you look and you got something, and it may Stop. be big, it may be this big, a, a nub. It might be, you know, I don't know. It may hang to your knees. I don't know. 
So that means for a male, and that part of your body goes into something called a female. And if you're confused if you're a female or not, you simply do the same thing. And you look down there, and if there's a hole, you are a female. Wow. And the male part goes into the female part. That's It's that simple. You're, you're a trendsetter, what can I say? The leg up. If the dog pees out of a thing, then he's a male dog. If she squats and pees, it's a female dog. It's, mm. it's very simple, but she's confused. Her, her best friend is trying to figure out if he's a man or a woman. And okay. I said, you know, that's real easy to determine. Even my granddaughter, my granddaughter's three. And she was putting on lip gloss. I said, can Papa put some on? No, Papa, you're a boy. She's got enough sense at three years old to chastise me. No, no, yeah. I, did. I said, will you paint my nails too? No, Papa. I mean, yeah. she knows my instinct. Mm. So she's got a pitch, a row of these uh People that identify as monkeys and women. I mean, they're just weird looking. They're perverts. Okay. They're, de- they're, they're, they're full of demons. They're deceived mm. people. And then underneath that picture is a row of priests in their outfits. Cossacks. Yeah, they're Cossacks and what have you. Yeah. She said, Which one of these groups of people have molested the most kids? Oh, wow. Yeah, she's uh, bashing her own church. Why? Ending a bunch of perverts, you know. And I realize gay people, white guys in Alabama think that a, a, a child molester and a homosexual is the same thing. They think that same sex and child abuse are the same thing. They're not. They're two different uh, demons. Yeah. Uh, two yeah, different. like, yeah. Pedophilia is a um, is a um, paraphilic disorder, um, which is the official psychological term, which is any sort of sexual disorder that one may have to something that is regularly disgusting and depraved. Um, I typically with pedophilia, everybody knows that that's not something you're born with ever, and typically it comes because usually. Most pedophiles, they themselves have been victims of pedophiles. And studies typically show that those who have been victims of sexual abuse will go on to have sexual, who will commit sexual abuse in the future, which is, you know, obviously heartbreaking. Um, that was that was actually the thing that you were saying there of um, child molesters and homosexuals kind of being one of the same. That was kind of a thing in Ireland for a good while, too. Mm-hmm. Um, it's only been the past i'd say what 10 years that all of a sudden it just completely it completely did a u-turn and um all of a sudden it just went you know what uh pride month oh you know what uh legality obviously of homosexuality to then marriage to then adoption like it just all of a sudden completely flipped and is now going a whole other direction and is now trying to become more subjective and being like, oh, you know, uh, are you sure you're a guy? Are you sure you like women? You know, what What if what if you uh, just like to like? What if you just uh, have a subjective sort of experience? So it's just kind of like divorcing of logic is now happening, an inverse per se. What, what causes someone to be same-sex attracted do you know? The church don't know. Good question. There's always a big debate on whether or not it's like a person's nature, like if they were born that way or mm-hmm. if it was nurtured or it came a bit after an early age. But the way I see it is that it really doesn't it really doesn't matter because you have it now. You are that way now. So now what really matters is what you can do with your life. That's that's really the the, the primary thing. It doesn't matter how this came about, what matters is is what you're going to do with your life. You know, whether or not you're going to aspire to do great change and to help people in this world and to follow the example of, of Jesus Christ. 
you know what I mean? And uh, he, God asks that from all of us, regardless of who we are, whether I say trucks, unless I call trucks lorries or anything else, it really doesn't matter, you know? It, he calls all of us to do that, you know? So I think that's, that's more so the priority than anything else. Well, you know, I don't... Uh... I want to say this carefully so, you know, you say stuff and people listen to half of what you say and walk away saying you said something you didn't say. But mm. same-sex attraction people, okay? I ain't got nothing against them at all, okay? Um, they don't bother me. It's not, I, I don't care as a, as, a per, as John A. Person. I do not give one damn if someone uh, thinks that they're attracted to the same sex as as a as just a regular. I'm not talking about as a Catholic or anything. John here does not give one damn if someone is gay or not. Okay, mm. um, I don't care. I don't care what you do at home. I don't care what you do. I don't care who you love. That's just me. I do not care. And if I've got a couple of, I'm not going to call them friends, but people I work with that are same-sex uh, attraction, I, they don't bother me because they know I'm not interested. And I know they ain't interested. Yeah. I ain't no man wanting me. Uh, but I've been through that before. When I was a police officer, I, I had to go undercover a few times. And I've been to gay bars. You know, mm. undercover, and all stuff, so it doesn't bother me. And and before you think I'm some full blown Father James Martin liberal, okay, <laughs> I do not approve of homosexual activity. I do not. Men <laughs> should be putting their things in men's bodies. It's sick. It's effing sick. Yeah. It's disgusting. I go to the gym. Yeah. And you go in a locker room and you got a bunch of naked men in there. There's not a more disgusting thing to see a penis to me. The penis is the most ugly thing I've ever seen in my life. There's ugly. A male penis is disgusting. Look, I don't even like looking at mine. Okay. God bless Catholicism. <laughs> you know, you know I, I, I don't like to see naked men. And I, you have to see them at the gym. And the older they get, the freer they are. They'll stand around and talk for three hours in the gym, butt naked, sagging, bald, Whoa. wrinkled up, and, and, and shrunk. Ugh. And I don't think <laughs> how a man can be wanting that. How can a man want that? I don't get it. Oh, Janie, women Mark. Pretty. Even women that aren't pretty are prettier than a man. I suppose that's the, the beauty Most, of, of God. Unless um, you know. I mean, Elvis, you know. I could give a guy a pass if he had the same <laughs> Maybe uh, uh, what's the guy's name? Some of these actors, you know, are pretty good-looking guys. Brad Pitt. Oh, oh my grown, gosh. Grown straight men. Look at Brad Pitt. Say he's beautiful. Mm. You know? But that's not the same yeah. thing. I want to, you know. Yep. I just don't... It don't appeal to me. I don't see, I don't understand how a man would want a man. I just don't get it. But if it is really true that they can't help it, that that's what they want, mm. then uh, it's kind of like. It's a cross. It's a cross to bear, you know? Yeah. That's just exactly like Guys have to be with a different woman every night. They're just like predators. Mm. And no matter how many times they repent or go to therapy or counseling, cry, weep, repent, they just can't stay away from women. And mm -hmm. I don't know if it's demonic or, or cultural or what, but for to me, it's like you can't help what you like. But yeah. if it's what you like goes against the laws of nature and laws of God, then it is a cross. Yeah, absolutely. It's the case of you can't you can't control you can't control the temptations that are going to come into your life. You can't control the inner desires that you may have. But what you most certainly can control 
is the actions you're going to take or the will that you are going to choose in your day to day life. Like, you know, everybody's going to have their own sexual temptations or, or any temptations for that matter. You know, like Adam and Eve were tempted, but that didn't mean they necessarily had to accept that temptation. And that's really what God is asking us to do. Endure the temptation, fight against the temptation and don't give in. That's that's the the the, the approach that we need to kind of take with our day to day life. Can we do you know, that? It's, it's fun. Can, Can we do that? Uh, OK, let's talk real for a minute. OK. Let's talk about wanking it. Isn't that what y'all say there? Wanking? <laughs> this, this is real stuff, man. This is real stuff. You know, a lot of kids. Oh, are, yeah. And they need to hear it. Because they, they're not going to hear it at church. You're not going to hear Father So-and-So nope. get up whole bit Sunday and talk about uh, wanking it, same sex, men running around, pornography. They're not going to, you know, they're not, they're, they're going to read their, read their homily. Uh, Catholic Church yep. has preachers you are in your life but the best at the same time just they're hard to find but like, okay i went through rcia more than once because i've been a sponsor okay and I'm a sponsor at saint Teresa catholic church father bean from he's scottish by by dna and all uh, we had rcia during covid it was during the lockdown, so we're all illegally meeting. And he brought it up, and that's the word he used. He said, let's talk about wanking it. This is the priest. Okay. He said, I apologize. We're in a mixed company crowd, male, female, mm. teenager or two. He said, we need to talk about wanking it. And he said that at confession, the the, the day before, two days before confession, that this, he could tell it was a, like a, a young teenager came into the confession booth and all. He said the poor kid used every word in the world but masturbation. You know, trying to, he says people yeah. they come to confession and they won't say, they'll use all kinds of words but the word. They'll, use, they'll use as much flowery language without having to admit it directly as to what it is. Yeah. yeah. You know, and he said, look, he said the kid started crying. He was sobbing. And he said, I've been, oh. I've been, uh, and Father Bean said, wanking it? And he said, yeah, I, I wank it every day. And then I go to okay. confession and repent, and then I end up wanking again. So mm. he said the guy was, was crying. He said, look, he did all the thing, and he said, look here. He said, did you see that line of people ahead of you for confession? And he said, yes, sir. He said, every single one of them wanked this week. All of them confessed to wanking, every one of them. Yeah. Now, he probably shouldn't have said that because he might have seen his daddy in the line or something, his mom. <laughs> But it, oh, no. it lead the kick. Because look, when I was like, you know, when you start hitting puberty and you start waking up like a you know certain thing going on in your body. Yeah, 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 like, yeah. Oh my God, you know, oh God, what's happening? It blows your mind, you know. And then you, you know, guys experiment and they find out they can do this thing, but they're yeah. not going no, they're not going to go to high school tomorrow and share it with the class, or they're they're not going to because wanking it was in the same basket with being a homo. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think the I think the approach to to masturbation in general for the longest time was that it was very taboo because it was the way it's it was approached before was that this is self abuse. You're hurting yourself and all this stuff like that. Um, and because it was only discussed in that lens, people never took it seriously as something that can be an addiction. Because that's really what it is. Especially in today, especially today with social media and with phones and with computers, 
pornography and masturbation, they just kind of go hand in hand. Um, <coughs> there's a Catholic um, YouTuber or a podcast um, host uh, named Matt Frad. He runs Pints with Aquinas, fairly, fairly well known. And he's been very open and public about his own struggles with pornography and masturbation. Really? And he, and he overcame it. He actually did overcome it. He's married. He has multiple children. Absolutely wonderful. How did and he he's been very open. How? How did he overcome the wanking? How did he overcome it? He, um, he wrote several books about it. He actually wrote a very good book called The Porn Myth. And what it is, it's a medical and psychological run-through on what pornography does to the mind, to the body, and the industry itself. It's not even a religious stance. It didn't even have a religious focus. But then he also had another religious stance to pornography, to masturbation, and to its negative dulling effects to the mind, to the body, to the spirit. He's also had a couple of hosts on who've talked about how to combat against it. And the one thing that has been understood when it comes to this is that it's not like any other sin. As scripture itself says, you know, the sins of the flesh are sins that attack you internally. Meanwhile, the other sins are external. And the only way to combat against, sorry, to combat against the sin, the sin of, of the flesh, the sin of lust, pornography, masturbation is to flee. You can't fight it. You can't Why fight this is thing. A sin? Sorry? Why is it a sin to masturbate? I because mean, the understanding of a sexual relationship is for the purpose of a union between a man and a woman, but also for the purpose of being able to create new life. It was an ultimate gift that God gave to both man and women to be able to share in one another in order to have a deep and deep and conjugal relationship, but also to then have the opportunity to have and grow a family. Masturbation removes that beautiful element and purpose of having a conjugal relationship and to have children. It completely removes it and instead only uses that sexual experience for the sole purpose of gratification because mm. that's what makes that's what makes sin so dangerous is that it is a perversion of anything that is good uh, so uh, for example what, what do you tell so like for example what do you tell a teenage kid that's horny all the time and you can't help it they don't know why he's horny he's just horny mm. and he's got this stuff going on every time he lays in the bed at night or wakes up and yeah. he can't have sex. He can't look at porn. He can't, do, there's a list of, I can't do this or I'm going to hell. Yeah. And if he wanks it, um, there's relief for a few hours. Maybe, I don't know. I'm just, you know, mm -hmm. I'm asking, I'm not trying to excuse anything. I'm just asking questions. The people, oh yeah, De devil's advocate. I understand. Devil's advocate. I get it. You know why is it a sin? I've ha I had a lady say, "It's it's my body. I'm not hurting no one. I, my <clears> husband <throat> is not able to help me get to where he gets to." Sure. And even even Father Chad Ripperger, the rad trad exorcist, has said that women can do that to have I would say that um <clears throat> you're after you're after going through a few bits there. The one thing I would say is that you know when it comes to a teenager who's going to be going through these things, whether it's a, a guy or a girl, you know, it's it is natural, of course, to having this incredible rush of hormones, and it is very difficult. But I think the understanding of sin is that to sin is to miss the mark. And when we recognize that, yes, our God is justice, but our God is also mercy, 
if you are truly contrite, if you genuinely repent, then he won't turn away from you. He won't. He won't ever turn away from you. And the thing is, as well, is, you know, there's, of course, the spiritual element where you, one would say, you know, any challenge which we're given, God will always provide us the grace in order to overcome these challenges. But, of course, it's it's always hard to really, I don't know, I'd say feel that grace when we're in the thick of challenge, when we're in the thick of problems. But I think when it comes to any sin, when it comes to combating against any temptation, Nobody should be expected. Nobody should have this expectation that they're just going to be perfect from start to finish. Not a hope. Not a hope. All have fallen short of the glory of God. You know, I think the sooner we recognize that, yeah, okay, I'm probably going to fall into sin and I'm probably going to do it again, but I don't mean to. Or I don't want to in this moment. And I genuinely care about God above anything else. That's a start. That's a good way forward. Absolutely. The, this idea that everyone has to be perfect from start to finish. It is perfection. And therefore it's unattainable because we're not perfect. But it's through the mercy and the grace of God. And the grace of the sacrifice of our son, of his son, excuse me, that we have a chance. We've got a fighting chance. We've got a man in our corner rubbing our shoulders saying, listen, you got this. You can you can do this. Like that. Keep going another round. You know, I, like I wouldn't be I wouldn't be afraid. I wouldn't be bothered, you know. And then, it, I mean, like if there's an issue with like a person's marriage or their relationship when it comes to their sex life, I mean, that you shouldn't try and resolve that problem by going online. You should resolve that problem by talking to your spouse. You know, um, Esteban, who is a paid actor and who is a porn star, isn't going to help your marriage. Your husband or your wife is going to help your marriage. And if you feel you need to go and go to counseling or whatever, that's far braver and far stronger and far more caring to your relationship than hiding. Because this is a, a, a private and awkward sort of conversation, as, as you yourself said, you know, people are always going to use as much flowery language as possible to avoid calling it what it is. And um, like, I'll never forget when I really came into the faith, and I was, I was, I was dealing with all of the rhetoric and all the noise that people always said of, you know, the Catholic Church filled to the brim with pedophiles. They want you to be as sexually frustrated as possible, yada, yada, yada. And then I learned Pope John Paul II wrote an entire encyclical on the theology of the body, talking about sex, talking about morality, talking about the purpose of love in its truest, most devout. Mm -hmm. all any punches and this is pope john paul ii the guy who everybody thinks is like the big heart the big cuddly lovely pope he was not afraid to talk about it for what it is sex is good it's that's and i think um when people discover that for the first time you know they it's hard to approach of course it's going to be hard to approach um, but I think you just be open, just be calm and just remember the mercy of God. That's a start. And then from there, if you do have a problem, I mean, there is resources there. There was a man who I was telling you about who was, who was on that, that podcast, um, called Pints with Aquinas. And he said that one of the best advice, some of the best advice he could give was that for people who may be addicted to pornography or who may be addicted to masturbation is to go to one of those, um, I don't want to call it an AA meeting, but you know those meetings to help people to get out of pornography mm -hmm. addiction? Yeah. That is not, that's not, yeah, it's not religious based, but he said those who go to the, the secular one that isn't religious based will help mm -hmm. because they implement proper surefire methods. So it's not impossible, 
you know, it, it is about the, the power of will and the desire of serving God far mm. more than what our carnal desires are willing to give into and to feed off of. You know what cured me from it? I can tell Sorry? You, I can tell you what cured me because I don't, I don't, I, I don't wank it. I don't, well, <laughs> I have had a couple slip ups on the imaging, but I, I'm not a porn guy. I don't look at porn and I don't wank it. But what the cure Excuse was. Me, I, I just, I just want to move my phone just for a moment. I'm going to try and try about to die. Excuse me. But keep talking. Well, um, I got, I was said, man, if I do this thing, I got to go to confession and confess it so I can take communion. And I want to take yeah. communion. I can't take communion if I'm in mortal sin. It just double damns me. And to me, it's embarrassing to go to confession and say, you know, say say some things, especially when it's say the same. It for what it is, yeah, yeah, it's the same thing every week, you know. And so I said, I ain't doing this no more. I'm tired of going to confession and feeling ashamed and embarrassed. I'm not looking at porn. I'm not wanking it. I'm not watching these mm. movies. You now you can watch them on your phone. I guess you know everybody knows that by now. You don't even have to go look yeah. for it for you. Porn comes looking for you. It's everywhere, and you, when you can see it. You can see it on TV. It'll come up as an advertisement if you go onto a website. It's there in magazines. It's there on newspaper articles. It's there as an ad that could pop up on your phone if you go onto YouTube. Mm -hmm. It's just everywhere. It is yeah. everywhere, and I think that's that's why it's such a massive problem especially for men and women of my age bracket. I'm glad because you we are constantly sorry. I'm glad you mentioned women because they do the same. Oh thing yeah. Guys do. I don't give a dang what they say. They do the same. Oh thing. yeah. Porn and masturbation. Pope Francis himself, he, he even said, um, I can't remember if it was for a panel or on an interview. He said that pornography, it is so dangerous. And it's an issue that not just lay people are dealing with, but also consecrated people are dealing with. Priests and nuns and bishops or any human has physical desire, mm -hmm. has a body, is going to. And priests are they're human, you know. Um, I think I think people have this kind of impression that priests have a a mightier than thou sort of view, where like because I'm a consecrated man, because I've got consecrated hands, I'm not dealing with the sins that you're dealing with. No, they are dealing with it as well. They have their own spiritual director as well, who they are trying to get advice off of. And they may feel like they have imposter syndrome or something like that. Yeah. You know, it's we are all fighting in this. You know, the apostles who we, of course, love and ask for the intercession of and who have given us this beautiful deposit of faith. Some of them are killers. Some of them denied Christ. One of them sold Jesus Christ for pieces of silver and then killed himself. So it's the case of, you know, we're all, everyone, nobody's safe from sin. Nobody's safe from temptation. But it can be overcome. It can be overcome. It just takes a hell of a lot of work. <laughs> and nobody's safe from it. There's a fellow, I'm trying, I, I can't think of his name right now. He's on Instagram. He's got a Instagram page called Do the Harder Thing. Do the Harder Thing. I okay. Uh I'll, my next guest is in the in the radio room waiting on me. Um he's got a page called Do the Harder Thing. Now I worked with his dad. His dad's very famous. 
And this guy that does this, the the uh, Instagram page is friends with my son. I know who he is. I just can't think of his name. His dad's a famous Catholic author and speaker. And it's, he says, if you can go 30 days, 30 days without wanking it or looking at porn, he said, you got it whipped. No pun intended. You got it whipped. And if you could just make it that that length of time, and it is true, because I think a lot of times it's She's obviously not watching my show live, or she would know. I mean, <laughs> so I got to go. I love you, brother. Thank you so much for having me on. You're fantastic. I love it, man. I love you, and I'll, I'll, I'll uh, shoot you a text later. Say hi to your dad, man. I love your dad. Absolutely will. God bless you, right? All right, bud. Talk to you later. Bye-bye. God bless. You too.